listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. You know what a geek is, right? I'm not sure where you're it's going with this. Technically, but... if you look up the word geek, okay. it's, it's someone who bites the heads off of chickens. Did you know that? In the freak show. I swear to God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what a strange... What kind of... Nat's into etymology of I words. Am. I am. You knew that, probably. I did. I didn't want to say it. Shoot. <laughs> I just ate my you show. It. <laughs> you can't out-etymologize yeah. Nat. Yeah. He knows all the words. I went to Eagle Rock Junior High School. He was telling me all about uh, the spicy pork etymology. Oh, I was. Yeah. Past- Isn't that a good one? Pastor. Yeah, it's pastoral. Like pasture. Yeah. Like 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 pastoral symphony, like, symphony, like the pastor of a church. He's the He's shepherd, the shepherd which, of the flock. Which is why he's in the pasture. Yeah. The pastor. may safely graze. This is a sh- not a show about etymology. I hope it's about tacos, Is that though. even the right word? For yeah. Yeah. Entomology is... Uh, That's different. Insects. It's tricky. Now you now they're <laughs> going to be interchangeable. Uh, does that have a button? <laughs> Might have to hit Where were, What were we doing? <laughs> this. My name's Eric Daw. I'm a uh, guitar scientist, and I've got 25 years of experience building, repairing... And restoring guitars. Today's co-host is Nat. Hi. Hi, Nat. Well, good to be here. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. I will. And this is my favorite question. This is a great discussion point. Mm-hmm. What's on your bench lately, Eric? <laughs> Cough syrup. Oh, yeah. You can quit anytime. I know. In between long breaths, we'll see if we can do a podcast here. Yeah, hang on. Man, I've been sick for like five weeks. I'm, I know. I'm way better than I was. Yeah, you're you're hanging by a tenuous thread there for a second. Spray and lacquer's no joke, though. I wonder if that's what's catching up with me. Oh, yeah, you got to mask up. Oh, I do. Oh, man. I do. I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, what's on my bench lately is uh, this... Uh, book that i bought this set of books oh fancy set yeah man it's the greatest i did uh did i tell you about this thing i know i a little bit but maybe i so i want to give it the proper respect here but i may not be sufficiently excited about it it's neat but i don't yeah. know the the depths of your joy for this yet well before we go into it maybe we should talk about what's on my actual bench lately which is let's do which is uh Working on some custom guitars. I've got three that are almost done. Oh? Yeah. Uh, tell us about them. Uh, there's a blonde S 
Oh, I like style, that. you know, with huh. with the uh, with a maple contoured neck. body. <laughs> yeah, contoured body with the belly relief. Yeah, yeah, and uh, then there's a white, like an off white, you know, vanilla pudding. Uh huh. Tea style, and, old English white, and a butterscotch blackguard style. Oh thing. boy, yeah, those will be done soon. Now what? And this is uh, what kind of S style? Is it a maple neck? Uh, it is rosewood neck, and it is a uh, see-through see-through blonde. Yeah, yeah, like a late fifties style. Yeah, and did those sometimes age into a Mary Kay, or are those a Mary Kay itself? Mary Kay is a term that they use to describe a blonde Strat with gold hardware. Oh man, I like it. Because Mary Kay famously, you know, she was a guitar player in the fifties, had a blonde strat with gold hardware. So that's so that's what Mary Kay. This means. isn't Mary Kay cosmetics with a pale pink. Yeah, like no. a Mary Kay. Yeah, she was a guitar player. I'll be daggone. Like yeah, the like cosmetics the Mary Kay oh. must have been a different Mary Kay. Is that right? Well, I'm sure. Maybe she did both. Maybe she's. I don't think so. Hard. All right. It's one of these people that you know, like, the, there's 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 people who are associated with guitars whose music is long dead, but their name lives on okay. because they're associated with guitars. Yeah. Like people like uh, Alvin, Alvino Ray or Roy Smeck. Yeah, Roy Smeck. Like who's spinning Roy Smeck records? No one. He was a big deal. But guitar players know his name because he's got the Roy Smeck. Guitars, yeah. his name on the guitars. Dang near Les Paul. Even Les Paul. I mean, I yeah. listen to Les Paul because he's cool, but yeah, he's not very many people do. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Oh, it's hard to know anymore. Hey, I know one thing that was on your bench, a Kalamazoo for me. Oh, yeah. It was fun. Kind of a Kalamazoo. Yeah, That's a cool guitar. Yeah, I put a pit guard on it for you yeah. and uh, put a K&K pickup in there. Yeah, hot rodded a... New guitar made it look nice. Those K and K pickups really are excellent. Oh, it's a it's a standard par excellence, man. Yeah, for this acoustic pickups, here's what I like about them. So many acoustic pickups have just this built-in obsolescence with these giant circuit boards and some kind of digital readout with a tuner and a graphic and a, EQ and uh, yeah and. Uh, nine volt battery terminal yeah. and uh-huh. it's going to break down the k and k has none of that there it's three little pickup elements that glue to the uh uh to the bridge plate is that how you do it you don't yeah. need double stick tape no okay yeah that's and, so simple and then it's wired right to the jack there's no battery and, there's no preamp there's yeah. no circuit board there's no buttons there's no nine volt terminals yeah not really a question of impedance either you don't no. really need a, a buffer or transformer you based can, thingy really i guess they they say they sound better with a preamp mm-hmm. but in my experience man you plug it right into whatever a twin yep sounds great yep you're done they're yep. great the only thing that could go wrong on those is um, the, the, those jacks have kind of a lifespan. Oh. You know, because it's the enclosed barrel jack. And once the little pins in there get tired, you can't get in there and adjust them. Oh. So at okay. some point, you might need to replace a jack, but that'd be like a 10-year, you know. Yeah. Hey, since we're talking about it, what 
it seems to me the trickiest part would be placing those things because there's got to be some kind of an art to it and you can't tune it like a sound post in a violin. Yeah. You have to just close your eyes and so give it a give it your best guess. The placement is cuz there's three pickups. Mm-hmm. And so the placement is um directly under the saddle. One in between the E and A, one in between the D and G and one in between the B and E strings. Okay. And they're in line. They're not in any kind they're of... They're in line with the saddle. Yeah. yeah. So if the saddle's slanted a little bit... Okay. You'll end up slanting the... But... Okay. Um, it's pretty... What I do, I'll put two bridge pins in. And that is a pretty good guide. When my finger hits those, I know where my where the pickup okay. is. Um, they come with a little installation kit that uh, I don't even use because I've found that it's easier to just place them and use bridge pins as your yeah. guide. So then, yeah, you know it's going to clear yeah. the bridge pins, and that's where you want it. The trick, the only trick is, it tends you tend to have the the high E string will be a little bit quiet if you place the treble pickup right in between the B and E strings. Huh. So you have to air just to the side of the high E string to get that ah. high E string to pop. So it is a little nuanced. There's a little bit of an art to it, sure. And some luck. But, yeah. But with yeah. those three things, they come through pretty well. Those are great pickups, man. Yep. Yeah. They really are. Let me see what we're doing here. Uh, there's an, there's a competitor to K&K oh. called JJB. Since when? And I've used them, huh? And they are nice, and they're cheaper. Whoa! But I think the K and Ks are a little bit louder. Oh! It would be interesting if we um, installed a JJB and a K and K pickup oh, yeah. in identical guitars and did a did the like old a, Pepsi challenge, man. Did like a shootout. Wouldn't oh, that yeah. be fun? Mm-hmm. Indeed, I'll do it. The Guitar History Corner. I bought, I, I bit the bullet, and here's the deal. I, I realized that it's actually a business expense for me because oh. it's like research, and I do a podcast about guitars, and I have to authenticate vintage guitars sometimes. So this book set was a business expense, and that's how I justified it. But Whew, thing of it beauty. is oh my goodness. the Pinecaster set of four books uh, by Lynn Wheelwright and Nacho Banos. Man. They make up those names. They're both great. Yeah, they are, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, four books. One's called The Pioneers, which is about early electric guitar pioneers, all the different companies and all the different inventors and all the different players. Um, let's see. What are the four books? The, the Pioneers. I can't read it. Can you read it from where you're from? Well, heavens no. Prototypes and first production models. The Blackguard Years, and then Nitty Gritty. So Nitty Gritty. Three of the four books are mostly about early Fender guitars. It's very Understandably, cool. Understandably, yeah. I, so I've been thumbing through these, and... Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful set. It's like a combination of um, those Time Life books about the cowboys or whatever, with <laughs> the gunfighters, the stagecoach robbers, <laughs> and then a really, really high-quality record set. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like you'd have some uh, uh, linen-bound record sets occasionally. It was 250 bucks. Shoot, that ain't nothing. Write well, that off on the old taxes. It is, but... Um, but I bit the bullet and got them because I wanted them, and it's a business expense, and, you know... I, I, it's your business, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Gotta do it. Uh, but there's some amazing information in here, and I wanted to touch on a little bit of it. First of all, wow. there's art in here by Billy Gibbons. I heard of him. Paintings by Billy Gibbons. You ever shake his hand? Yeah, like... A, yeah. See, come around a little yeah, bit? Yeah. Good. That's yeah. cool. Have I ever, have I told you about when I met those guys? I don't remember. It's I, so I think weird. I knew, but I don't know the story. It, they smell, so they look. Here we go. They, this is great. These guys are so interesting, man. You meet ZZ Top and you're like, <laughs> wow, I've never met any people like this. They kind of had have this like otherworldly presence, like you're being visited by angels. Oh, man, a mystique? Yeah. And... Um, they smell fresh, like baby powder and perfume. Whoa! But huh. they but they look like they've been wandering through the desert. Whoa! And they're. I know this is weird, <laughs> but I swear, I swear to you, Billy Gibbons has this, like he's coated with fine dust. Oh man. Like powder? Like baby powder. Like powdered wigs? He's like... Yeah, perfect talc like or something. A, I, it's... I don't know. It's like if you patted him on the back, a little cloud yeah. of really clean perfumed dust would... Perfect ri- antiquing this dust. This is not from... where I thought this guitar history yeah, corner but, was going to go. It's yeah. getting weird. But when I met those guys, it really was like... <laughs> like, I've never met people like this. These, these yeah. guys are otherworldly. Ethereal. They are. They're That's like awesome. ethereal... They really are. Uh, and well, I had... He's doing some artwork. I had this pulled up because this segment in book one of the Pinecaster book set mm-hmm. really blew my mind. It's about a company called Volutone. Never heard of it. V-O-L-U, Tone. Oh, yeah. Mid-30s. So, like, way yeah. ahead of the electric guitar craze of the 50s. Yeah, I think that uh, Gibson amp that Charlie Christian played was like very late 30s, 37 or something. That uh, the, ES, the e, e not ES. 150 or EH150 or something. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, that's it. I think you got it right. Um, th- this company, Volutone, this guy, <laughs> this guy named Lesty. Okay. Okay, what was his first name? Let me find Arnold Lesty. This guy designed a pickup in the 30s. Now, look at Man. this. Can you see that from where you're sitting? Yeah, it's like a pickup design from the 30s. What does it look like? Uh, Rickenbacker horseshoe. It looks a lot like a humbucker. Doesn't it look exactly oh, snap. like a humbucker? Somebody call the lawyers. Now, it, and if you're thinking it looks like a humbucker, you're right. It yeah. is exactly a humbucker, two coils, wired up in series. With a blade in the center instead of pole pieces. Here's the problem. Uh-oh. There's no magnet. This guy what? designed a humbucker, and there's no magnet. It's just coil? His idea was to magnetize the string. Okay. All right. I mean, you think about how close he came. Yeah. How close he came 20 years before humbuckers. 
how close he came to inventing a humbucker. He was just yeah. missing just one little element, which is turns out is pretty key to the design. Yeah. There was no magnet. So we needed to magnetize some strings. So, and... so uh, attached to the amp of the Volutone system. Oh, no. There was this crazy doodad that you would run to your strings and it would mag it would charge the strings. He had some some kind of Teslaometer shipping magnetrons out this wire. And Oh my head. Yeah, and so you had to you had to magnetize your strings, which probably turned your guitar into some kind of toaster. Yeah. <clears throat> Pretty rough, man. Might have made you tinkle a little bit too. It just blew my mind how close this guy came. To inventing an electric guitar. Yeah. <laughs> but to get the, just was, the exact same humbucking, yeah. differentially arrayed coils. But didn't think to put a magnet in there. Unbelievable. Well, he didn't have any magnets on the top of his workbench. But thing. he knew that there were, but he knew that it had to be, something had to be magnetized. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you magnetize the strings. Yeah. Can the, you imagine if you had to magnetize the strings on your guitar? And buy before every before every gig, strings. yeah, <laughs> yeah, just put them through a. Uh, let me charge my strings. Yeah, so weird. Yeah, oh, early well. early electric guitar history turns out is way more fascinating than even I thought it would be. This book set is uh, is worth the price. Man. Oh man, it's gonna be a, a it's never cool. ending fountain of great information. It is super cool. Uh, I think we have a few calls. Good. Yeah, which is great. That's great. Let's see who's calling here. Hey, Eric. Good morning. It's Ryan from Denver, Colorado. Uh, first of all, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Um, I listen to about half a dozen of them, but uh, I always get excited whenever I see a new episode of my favorite one, Fred Files. Very good, so, sir. Thanks for having me on. Um Interesting question for you. Uh, we're in a bit of a fortuitous situation with our band right now, and we're mm-hmm. setting up a uh, tour for early next year that's going to encompass most of the United States as well as Europe, so we're very excited about it. And um, for the first time in forever, uh, we're hiring some additional help in the form of uh, another member of our crew. Um his duties are going to be uh, helping out at our merch booth, uh, helping out lugging equipment, um, hopefully helping with some of the driving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but also um, some stagehand slash uh, guitar, guitar tech, tech duties as well. He was gonna yeah, he's driving um, guitar tech. Ever since I've picked up the guitar, I've been my own guitar tech. So this is totally new for me. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very excited about it. Um, but I was wondering what sort of skills, other than yeah. being able to change strings and tuning up our instruments before we take the stage, that you think um, our guitar tech it would be helpful to uh, have or to know um, beforehand. Maybe those are some general guitar uh, maintenance some of those are maybe Luthery specific. Um, wondering your thoughts. Um, I have a 
fairly simple setup myself uh, because I've been my own guitar tech forever. Mm -hmm. I usually play one guitar the entire show. I have one guitar as a backup just in case. And the rest of my uh, setup is just as simple as that as well. But um wondering how we can most effectively use that extra hand on the road, uh, if there's any skills that you think uh, port over from being a luthier to being a guitar tech or vice versa. Uh, looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Thanks yeah. again, Eric. Take yeah. care. Yeah, no problem. Hopefully you're going to hire someone who knows about guitars who is willing to run the merch booth and not the other way around. So that's the priority is you, you want guitar tech his qualifi- can yeah. lug. The qualifications need to land heavily on the guitar tech side. You don't want a merch booth guy who's willing to be a guitar tech. <laughs> you want a guitar tech who's willing to run the merch booth. There you go. Um, you want to find somebody who owns a volt ohm meter and knows how to use it who can troubleshoot problems you want someone who knows how to solder and yeah not in a botched way yeah. someone who owns a pro soldering iron and can solder someone who can sight a neck and adjust a truss rod someone who knows how to intonate an electric guitar these are the skills that you're going to want in a guitar tech because these are the, the things that are, that he's going to need to do, right? Anything else you can think of, Nat? That is good. I, Those my, are some pretty good qualifiers, right? And then on top of that, the guy needs to be able to think on his feet and solve problems quickly, that's, right? That's pretty I, good. I picture those techs. I've seen them on the side of the stage working furiously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is interesting how they'd get in that situation when... These are fancy guitars that shouldn't go belly up, but yeah, yeah. They, they do work furiously at different stages, so he's gonna need to be able to react to things. Yeah. And he it, we don't need a we don't need a twenty year experience luthier. Like he doesn't need to do neck resets and mm-hmm. broken yeah. headstocks, but if he can't do a pickup swap and or resolder a jack or maybe fix a fix an instrument cable. These are skills that, that are going to come in handy. Yep. So I hope that helps. That's a good one. All righty. I think we got another call here. Let's see uh, who we've got. Um, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, we already played that one. Here's this one. Hey, Eric. This is Bill in New Jersey. Hope oh. you're doing well. Just want to say I really enjoy your podcast. When the new one pops up on my feed every couple of weeks, Usually the first thing I listen to. Anyway, it's a great uh, podcast. I have a question about uh, bridge plates on maybe an older Martin or any guitar for that matter. Most of I do some repair. I'm like a hobbyist type repair. If you have a uh, bridge plate that is worn from the the string uh, rings being, you know, pulling through, maybe it's chewed up a little bit. How do you go about repairing that? If it's not too bad, I read that you can maybe mix glue with some sawdust. Other people put a thin plate over that. So I just wanted to hear what you uh, had to say about going about repairing that. And uh, Anyway, look forward to uh, your answer. Take care. 
Yeah, well, you know, it depends on the guitar, and it depends on how bad it is. If we're talking about, like, a pre-war Martin or something, you know, that really has some value, swapping out bridge plates is kind of the cardinal sin of of those guitars. Vintage guitar collectors get real upset about bridge plates being swapped out. Because it has a lot to do with how the guitar sounds. Can you tell me what a bridge plate is? Is it the part underneath the yeah. top that's a little bit of a, uh, a, a a wide strip of wood that is going to hold the ball end of the strings? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, and it sits between the X braces. Yeah. Okay. So it ends up having kind of a trapezoid shape to it, and uh, it um, is what the bridge pins pass through. Okay, and so that being the first thing that these things rattle against, these it needs to be intact and period correct and really mm-hmm. good. Huh? Okay, um, there are fixes that I've seen. You know, people will like he said they'll mix you know dust and glue or something. Or there's a, a Stuart McDonald used to sell. Maybe they still do this crazy contraption that would remove this little conical divot. Oh no. And then it had a plug cutter and you'd 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 cut a plug and glue that in the place. That's going too far. And then and then redrill the hole. On a cheaper guitar or a modern guitar that's okay to do. On a vintage guitar, the less you do the better. Mm-hmm. And if it's bad enough that it needs some kind of solution, what I would recommend is a thin strip in of of metal and Stumac oh. Stuart McDonald sells one called the Plate Mate. Whoa. Uh-huh. They they sell it in two different string spreads, two and an eighth inch and two and three sixteenths inch. Huh. If that doesn't fit your guitar, you'll have to make one that fits your string spread, but the thing is only twenty six bucks and it just glues on you know, like double sided tapes onto your um bridge bridge plate. Yeah. It can just simply be removed, right? Huh. So it's not this super invasive, crazy technique where we're gonna so many of the so many of the solutions to bridge plate problems go past the bridge plate into the top. Okay. And that's yeah. what we don't want to do. Um, and replacing the bridge plate on vintage guitars, people get so upset about that. This is this is really what I recommend. And it, it um, TJ Thompson recommends it too, <laughs> which should tell you a lot about, um, it's, it's a good solution. Uh, it's a brass plate. Huh. And uh, it's, you know, held in place by the strings, but it's also got an adhesive backing, right? Well, I'm surprised, but and I... And it's just a thin, yeah. it's like uh, 0.032 yeah. inches. It's barely even exists. It's like the, it's like the, the width of a D string, you know? It's just a thin plate that yeah. goes... Yeah, it's called the Plate Mate. That's what I would recommend on most... Guitars that matter. How right? interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's take a little break, and we'll come back with some uh, 
some questions. Let's what do, do it. You, say? you know, Apex Coffee. I've been playing their commercial, and I just want... I want to tell you, live, like a live read here, mm. so many people, <clears throat> so guitar people, right? They'll mess around with budget guitars well, yeah. and crummy pickups, yeah, and they'll expect to get some kind of quality result out of generic, you know, mass-produced junk. Yeah. But people know, real guitar players know, that you got to have good quality, right? Boutique mm. pickups, right? Hand-wired amps. Oh, yeah, fancy stuff's good. Coffee's no different. Is that right? Why are you drinking mass-produced, crummy, off-the-shelf coffee? Yeah, if, you, if you're optimizing every other aspect of your entire life, huh? Quit yeah. drinking Epiphone coffee. Listen... <laughs> Apex Coffee. <laughs> Here we go. In Waco, Texas. These guys know what they're doing, and <clears throat> they've been a sponsor for a long time. Nat knows. We're coffee oh, drinkers. Oh, we know. Heck yes. It's the only coffee I brew at home. It's so good. It's day good. Yep. And unlike guitars, it doesn't break the bank, right? You can no. be a coffee snob for not much money. It's expensive to be a guitar snob, right? Yeah. Thousands yeah. of dollars. It's unreasonable, but you know, yeah. It's affordable to be a coffee snob. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't cost that much more. Yeah. They'll ship it right to your door. You can order it up. Use my promo code PINUP at apexcoffeeroasters.com. Use my promo code PINUP, that's P-I-N-U-P, for a 10% discount. That pretty much covers shipping right there. I've done it. It works. It's so good. Yep. I'm telling you, this coffee will change your life. Wow. Be a coffee snob with me. Go to apexcoffeeroasters.com and order some up. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore except for my buddy Rick. At playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music. You can order a neck straightening iron. Some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I, I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I, I think it. I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've I've used a lot. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one from playersgearmusic.com. They're $7.49. I know that seems like a lot. It's, it's a tool. I tell you what, it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over. If you go to playersgearmusic.com, Scroll down on the main page, scroll, scroll, scroll down to where it says Fan of the Fret Files Podcast. You click that, that adds one to your cart, and it's fifty bucks off. So instead of seven forty nine, it's six ninety nine. Six ninety nine, free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron, playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. 
I'm telling you. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out. And don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. Hey, Eric. Mm-hmm. I just bought a 1951 Martin Double-Ot-18G nylon string acoustic. Oh. Mazel tov. Yeah, this is like Trigger or something. Yeah, man. A consignment piece from a local retailer. They cool. said they did a neck reset on it. Okay. Okay. Day two of ownership. I pick the Martin up and something is rattling around inside. Mm. I pull the object out. And it's a pretty large piece of wood with a large notch and just a bit of something like rubber cement on it. Hmm. Oh, man, this is a Halloween episode. Maybe it's just a temporary repair piece or the worst glue job in repair history. <laughs> Photo attached. Yeah, I don't think it's that bad. Thank you, Steve Barry. Thanks, Steve. I'm a big fan of your cousin Chuck. Yeah. Steve, give him that new sound. Yeah, he sent a picture. It's just a repair call. They they just left a repair. C-A-W-L. C-A-U-L. Oh, U-L. Uh, you know, like they were gluing a brace and huh. and used that as a call for a clamping device. Oh. No big deal. There's nothing wrong with your guitar other than that they accidentally left it. It's Tr- not a piece of the guitar. No, and truth Shoot. be told, I, I've done that. Oh, boy. I think every luthier has. And then the, it's not the end of the world. Well, someone might call in a dang show about it, and make yeah. a big deal. Yeah, he mentioned the name of the store, and I took it out. Oh, because <laughs> yeah. it's a store I used to go to a lot. Hey, that's a reasonable concern, yeah. though. If something's rattling around, and it <laughs> sure, no, I can see. Work. Yeah, I can see how you'd be concerned, but yeah, thankfully, it's just a repair call. You could go return it to the shop. I bet they'd appreciate it. Yeah, maybe they might deposit. even might even get a chuckle out of it. Well, that's fun. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with your guitar. That's those are fun, man. Those, uh, it's a double odd eighteen G nylon string. Yeah, Martin, that's cool, man. Oh boy, you could do the pickup notes to Blue Eyes Crying on that baby. Oh yeah, you could play you play your Willie Nelson on there. Oh, Whiskey River. Heck I know yeah. you like that initial chord. I do. Okay, thank you, Steve. Let me try this one. Hi, Eric. I saw the cowboy wallpaper guitar you made and was curious about the process. I bet. That was a good one. Mainly, how you apply the wallpaper. Is it applied using lacquer or an adhesive? And what's the process like applying paint afterwards? Your cowboy telly looked looked awesome, so I feel like you can put to bed some of the conflicting info I'm finding in my search to learn how it's done. Hmm. Thanks for the podcast. Cheers, Rylan. Hmm. Well, it's really nothing too mysterious. Uh, it's literally wallpaper. Like people, I always have to reiterate that because I'll tell people it's a wallpaper guitar and they'll go, wow, well, what about the, yeah. Ha, so did you just paint these designs on there? No, it's I wallpaper. I said it about eight times yeah. to you. It's literally wallpaper. Yeah. That was, that's why I call it yeah, that. Glued on. So it's not with lacquer or not yeah. with, you know, magic. It's just glue. Well, what kind of glue? Inquiring minds want to know. Well, it's a spray-on adhesive that I used. Okay. Yeah. Spray-on 3M adhesive. Yeah. But I imagine you could probably use Elmer's glue. Yeah. I you could, could probably use, you know, whatever 
Mod Podge, you know, mm-hmm. wallpaper. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There's really not a big mystery or uh, secret behind it. It's just paper glued to wood. Yeah. It's pretty basic. And then, uh, once you know, to finish it, there's really not any mystery there. I just sprayed lacquer on it. Just that regular clear lacquer regular with a little old, tint? Regular old lacquer. Well, oh boy. I did burst the edges. Like that white burst kind of, that's it's, not the word it for was it. A but. T- it was a tan color. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. That was a cool guitar. Yeah. There's really no secret or big mystery behind it. The paper was just glued onto the wood, and then I just sprayed lacquer on top of it. Yeah. Once we accept the fact that the wallpaper guitar is wallpaper, yeah, it does kind of fall into place. It, I, it does make yeah. sense. I have a phone call. We're, well, we're going to pause the show. I don't <laughs> thought you could. Okay. Yeah, I just had to pause this. You, you never know. Well, that's great. It was a phone call, and I, I didn't know if it was an emergency. It so could I, have been about guitars. So I had to take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Yeah. Wallpaper guitar. Think, Thanks. Thanks, Rylan. Yep. Let me try another one. Hi, Eric, and presumably Nat. That's you. I know. That's pretty neat. I've been making guitars for a few years and am reasonably okay at it. I realized the other day that I do not own a 12-string electric. I've Good. only played one <laughs> once or twice. Well, You lucky man. Well, I'm examining my own life at the, this point. I'd never had that thought, but it's true for me, too. I only played one once or twice ever. I enjoy the sound, so I might as well make one, right? Well, it's not infallible logic, yeah, but this is cool. I have a few questions. So do I. Yep. I'll probably go the obvious route and make a semi-hollow maple body for a little extra jangle. Mm-hmm. Are there any subtle differences or specific pitfalls to making a 12-string like this that I need to be aware of? Are there really any differences between the nut and bridge compared to a six-string? Am I, I am enamored with the headstock design on Rickenbacker 12-strings, where half the tuners are mounted on the side so that the posts are exposed through cutout slots, but it sure looks like you would need to find extra tall tuners to pull that off. Mm-hmm. If so, where would I find them? Mm-hmm. It's not a deal-breaker if I had to ditch this approach, but most other 12-string headstocks look like someone was goofing around in Photoshop. That's a good point. Yeah. He ain't lying. Thanks a lot for the show. That's right. unattributed. That's Name a good withheld. One. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Here's the problem with 12-string guitars. Intonation for the two strings that you're going to pluck together ends up being vastly different. So if you're going to do this, you need something with 12 individual saddles. Oh, man. And eh, it's not a walk in the park. I mean, you know, they make, like, Rick has usually on their 12 strings, it's six saddle deal, right? And about the best you can do is intonate one string flat and intonate one string sharp and it ends up being out of tune. So they don't have 12 individual saddles to set intonation. They do make replacement ones that have 12 individual saddles and that's what I would use. Oh my gosh, what a pain. Uh, uh, The tuners, yeah, so he asked, was there any any real difference with when it comes to the scale length 
between a six string and a 12 string. Now the scale length is going to be whatever you decide it's going to be, but the strings will intonate differently because generally you're going to have like a wound string and a plain string tuned an octave different and they're yeah. going to intonate very differently. Yeah. So you need individual saddles for each string. That's the first consideration. Mm. If you're going to do a Rick style um, headstock where you've got a slotted headstock with six tuners in there and then, and then six standard tuners right. where the, the cap stands are coming up kind of vertically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can just order, uh, tuners that are for a slotted headstock and they'll have the right cap stand where, because they're different. The hole will be in the middle of the shaft as opposed to the tip of the shaft. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, you can, you can just, you can just order tuners you could probably just order a set of Rick 12 string tuners yeah. and do it that way. Replacement or whatever. Yeah. So there's really no, there's, there's really no mystery there. Um, I don't know. I just, when people ask me questions like this, that I already have a headache from the question, I just worry about uh, how much work this um, is going to be for the payoff of having no. a 12 string, which is twice as hard to intonate, twice as hard to play, and twice as hard to tune, and twice as hard to make, but have fun. Yeah, that's the reward. Have fun. It's its own reward. Now, I wonder if some of that jangle, this mythical jangle, is from that intonation difference, right? Oh, well, that's... No, and then they have double courses strings, so that's probably like a tuning difference. Well, this is a tough thing, but yeah, go for it, unattributed. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Hi, Eric. Apologies if you get this twice. I got an error message. What if I only get it once? Yeah. I don't know. When I submitted Apology the first time. Apology retracted. <laughs> yeah. I am setting up a cheap part, parts caster that I put together in order to have an instrument that I can practice repair work on. Okay. I bought a pre-slotted bone nut in order to focus on adjusting string height. Mm -hmm. Unsurprisingly, the string height is very high to start. So my question is... What is the best way to approach bringing it down? I know I could just file away at the slots, but I'd have to at least double the depth of the slots to get the right height. This seems like it would end up burying and pinching the string in the slot. Yeah, that's an evocative statement there. That is true. Alternately, I mean alternatively, mm -hmm. that was I inserted my own word there, I was considering starting by removing material from the bottom of the nut, flat, not radius nut slot, to get it close, then do a little work to dial in individual strings to proper height. Another approach I considered was to just dig in on the slots until string height is right, and then remove material from the top until that the strings do not sit so deep in the slot. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's a third option, which is... Quote, sorry, Jeff, but you're a fool and you're thinking about it wrong. End quote. I don't know where he'd... Uh, anyway, I'll move. Many people assume <laughs> that that's going to be my answer. Uh, do they do it just on purpose? Perhaps because it often is. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit nicer than that. Anyway, based on the length of this letter alone, this seems like <laughs> this seems very likely. Oh, he got us. Yeah. Good one. In which case, please enlighten me. All right. Thanks in advance for any advice. 
That's from Jeff. Right on. P.S. I am really enjoying the Nat episodes. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? And they it? brought in Cousin Oliver, and yeah. he still liked it. That's great. Well, I hate to tell you this, but I added that last line. <laughs> Did you? No, I'm oh, just kidding. Gosh. That's straight I from need, Jeff. I need one of those. That's straight from Jeff. He's enjoying the Nat episodes. Well, he's so having fun. I, I he, almost did the show by myself yesterday because Nat oh. was traveling, and it was the 15th. Today's the 16th of July. Yeah, there's going to be angry letters. 2022. And uh, I didn't want to do the show by myself, so no. I waited for Nat. It's Doing the show by myself is very taxing. Yeah, it's emotionally draining. You need a setup guy. I got to have a I got to have a straight man here. Yeah, and it's fun for me too. Not that I'm the com- comic relief. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I don't know either. Well, what you going to do with this guy's how do you set the height of the Yeah. He's got a pre-slotted nut. Yep. He's adjusting the depths, right? Yep. The first thing I would like to say about pre-slotted nuts is that they're almost always not slotted correctly for your guitar. Okay, yeah. So, if you buy a pre-slotted nut, sand those slots off and, oh. st- and start fresh. That's usually that's that would be almost always my advice. The reason being is what you want is the outer strings to be an eighth of an inch away from the edge of the fingerboard. Okay. And they can't just make a one size fits all nut because Necks are different widths. Yep. So you might get lucky and have it line up correctly, but most of the time you don't. So so the outer strings need to be an eighth of an inch away from the edges. And then the other consideration is usually on pre-slotted nuts, there's six equidistant slots. Yep. You don't want that. You, you don't? No, because what they're measuring is huh. from the center of each string to the center of the next string. It's not accounting for the width of the string. And it needs to? Yes. I'll you want, yeah, the base strings, you have to account for the width of the string. You huh. want from the edge of the string to the edge of the next string to be equidistant. No way. That's yeah, neat. Not from the center of the string to the center of the string. And the easy way to do that is with a string ruler. They make one. Stuart McDonald makes one. And those calculations are already accounted for. Huh. Yeah. Rather than six individually spaced slots, you end up with wider spaced bass strings and narrower spacing on the treble strings. And it's subtle. It's super subtle. I mean, we're talking about the width of a string. The yeah. width of an or, E or, or an A string. half of it, right? Yeah, half right, the, yeah. Half the yeah. diameter. That's so neat. because of those two considerations, I don't recommend using the pre-slotted nuts. Well, how neat. But that is all just a preamble to your question. Yeah. Which, <laughs> what you actually asked was, how do you deal with um, all that extra height of the nut? Do you take it off the bottom or do you take it off the top? Or make big crevices and canyons yeah. what i recommend doing is taking the height off of the top of the nut okay because the bottom if you've got a radiused slot and a radiused nut it's very hard to make that work again 
um, you know, okay. a seven and a quarter inch radius slot and a seven and a quarter inch radius nut, you can't just take it off the bottom of the nut. Right, because these things aren't perfectly flat. Like, well, and that's the other thing is you'll have, he's got a Fender style parts caster here. Yeah. It's probably a flat slot. Oh, I think he said that too. So you've got a flat slot and a flat nut. Leave it flat. Yeah, it is flat. Yeah. Because once you start sanding on that, if you put a little too much pressure on one side or the other, now you don't have a flat nut anymore to go in your flat yeah. slot. So leave the bottom square. Yeah. It's, it should be perfectly square when you got it. Leave it that way. The yeah. top can be shaped. So what you want to do is cut your depths to the proper string depth, right? And then remove material from the top of the nut until you're down far enough. Okay, so say you, you set where you want that string to be mm -hmm. when it's all done, and then remove. Yeah, off that's the very, what I do. The, the stuff that's above. Yeah, okay. that's what I do. All right. On bass strings... You want um, a little more than half of the string sitting inside the nut. And on treble strings, you want it sitting in there enough so that it doesn't jump out. Okay. Yep. That's kind of a, a not very specific, not very scientific, you know, rule of thumb on how the nut slots should be. On how, essentially, how deep they should be. Yeah. How, how proud the string should be, which is yeah. half on the lower strings and yeah. ninth on the... High strings. And the actual depth is determined by its clearance over the first fret. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the actual depth is, it doesn't have anything to do with the nut per se. It has to do with yeah. the clearance over the first fret. And then you remove material from the top of the nut to yeah. make it, to make it, to make it proper. That's a great point. And that was a wonderful usage of the Latin per se, where it's not the nut in and of itself. Thank you. So the nut in its own isolated existence. This is a system here, Jeff. Getting your store-bought bone nuts. Thanks, Jeff. That's a good one. I'm glad that came up. And we didn't, uh, you know, there was no sorry, Jeff, but you're a fool. There was none of that. No, that's fundamentals. We like you, Jeff. And thanks, wonderful. For, thanks for listening. Yeah, that's a great one. And right. participating is wonderful. All right, next fool. I'll try it. Yep. Next. <laughs> Eric, would you explain the best way to restring an acoustic steel string guitar? Oh, great. Specifically, I would like to understand how to string the bridge correctly so the bridge pins are seated correctly. Mm. How much pressure do you put on the pin when stringing? Any and all tips are appreciated. Thanks, John. Back to basics. I like it. It's good. Very simply, here's what I like to do. I will take the ball end of the string and bend it just a little bit so that you've got like a little fish hook bend Okay. just before the ball end there. Ah. Then when you put the string through and the bend is running toward the sound right. hole, you put the pin in, lift up on the string, and that allows that ball end to seat properly. Up against the old bridge plate we learned. Yeah. Oh. Um, you want just enough, you know, uh, I'll hold my thumb on the bridge pin and pull up on the string a mm -hmm. little bit. Yep. Um, just to make sure it's seated properly. But if you have a problem with, uh, it sounds to me like you, perhaps you're having a problem with 
bridge pins popping out yeah. when you're stringing, uh, maybe they're not seated in there properly. There's also a, there is a possibility that your bridge pins don't fit properly. Yeah. But it's more likely that um, you're just, this, the ball ends aren't seated properly. So put a little bend, just a little half circle bend right before the ball end, and that'll help seat the strings properly. Then I will put the hole or the string through the hole of the tuner mm-hmm. and pull it tight against my hand held upright halfway down yeah. the neck. Yep. That is going to determine uh, how much the proper slack in the string is, yeah. right? You don't want to just pull it tight and start winding because you won't have enough winds. You also don't want to just wind the entire string on the tuner because then you're going to have 10 winds around the tuner and that'll give you tuning problems plus it looks sloppy. And yeah, it's it looks just... bad. So you want about two or three winds around the tuner on each string and a good way to determine that is by using your hand in the middle of the neck. Your uh, hand vertically. Yep. So you run it over like a, a kind of a triangular yep. situation. And if you have about a hand width of slack in the string, that'll give you two or three winds around the tuner. And then you give it a, a little tweak so it's got that tension on it with that's provided by your hand. Is that how you start it? It's going to be start really hard for me to explain in an audio version how I uh, how, how I you start how that. I fasten strings to the tuner. Yeah, because you wrap around. This I is do. Tricky. I wrap. I take the excess string that's going past the tuner and I bring it around and under the speaking length of the string. So it's kind of looped and then back over. Yeah. So it's, it's like around. It's like you know, a U, like a like it's like a hitch. Yeah, it is. You know. Yeah. Uh, fastened the string fastened onto onto itself. The other way to do it, a lot of people do this, is just start winding and put the first wind above the hole, yeah, and then the other two winds beneath the hole. That yep. way, the string is passing through two winds of string, mm-hmm. and uh, that helps it a little bit to stay in place but i actually i actually fasten the string onto the tuner by using like a half hitch knot yep i've seen you do it which is impossible to explain in the podcast but if you it's a very very common way to to put the uh string on a tuner and if you google search it you'll absolutely so find a picture of how it's done tightens over itself and kind of clamps it down Yeah, yeah but his main question was how to put the bridge pins in correctly, and I feel like I answered that. So you, thank, thanks, John. You are off the hook. That was sufficiently answered. Good job. Let's try this one. Greetings, Eric. I've been wordy, I've been working on a customer's acoustic guitar. Okay. He replaced the onboard preamp. There we go. With the newer model and discovered that the new preamp is incompatible with the old under saddle pickup. Perfect. Yep. He's not imagining things. I double check. Don't you love it? Yeah. (sighs) Makes my brain hurt. I know. I know. We were just talking about how I had to buy a new washing machine that had the dang Wi-Fi in it because you can't get it without the dang Wi-Fi. Who needs Wi-Fi in a washing machine? Well, who needs a new onboard preamp? There is so much potential for failure here. I know. I don't want... 
I don't want circuit boards and no. and touch screens in my acoustic guitar. Yeah, the bridge plate is one thing, but more than that, I'm out. Well, we might as well get to the end of this and yeah, see what happens. Right. <laughs> see if he's got any quotes about what we might say. Uh, it might be one of those great questions where he, by the end of it, he answers it himself. Uh, yeah. He comes up with a solution and he's just letting us know. Yeah, it's advanced philosophy. Let's, hope, let's, let's, let's give hope it a for shot. The best. Okay, we got a preamp. Newer, new preamp is incompatible. In what way, you know? (sighs) Who knows? Yeah. Even though the connector is from the undersaddle pickup to the preamp. Oh, from the undersaddle preamp to the undersaddle pickup to the preamp is the same. The old pickup provides no signal. Perfect. So he gave the guitar to me and asked me to install the new undersaddle pickup that came with the preamp. I've done this kind of job before, and I did not think it would be too difficult. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. However. How wrong can this go? Yeah. The new undersaddle pickup is just ever so slightly wider than the saddle slot. I know. This is, yeah, I'm emotionally incompatible. Are you kidding me? I know. It's going to be tough. It's the world we live in. You're going to need to stay with it. Okay. Just wider. It's a, not a lot what wider. What a world. I know. <laughs> what a world. The famous quote from the witch. That she's melting. <laughs> is that what, that, that's is that what where I'm, you got that's that? That's what I'm quoting. Is that where you yeah, got that? Yeah, she says, what a world, what a world. I'm like, what yeah. a world. I, I was so sympathetic to her that, you know, imagine her dreams crushed in that way. <laughs> and she's just melting into a well, puddle. she had it coming. Well, she just got a little overextended. extenuating circumstances i would guess and she turned green and all that okay so it's not a lot wider but it absolutely won't be forced yeah this is philosophical (laughs) what's the right way to widen the slot to fit the new pickup oh my god is that the only okay let and let's assume that's the only way forward in this when i do that will i need to replace the saddle too the length is fine, and the hole for the wire is in the right place. It's just the <coughs> width. Thanks. That's from Adam. This is a good one. Man. Yeah, you need to be... Uh, this is about emotional incompatibility in a large way, I think. It's man's inhumanity towards man and all that. This is a, this is a great example of a problem that... You know, a customer will bring you a guitar and say, hey, I got a simple project for you. Oh, no. Will you just take this part off and put this part on? Yeah. And you go, sure. It's simple. Yeah. You should have heard Absolutely. scary music. I'll, I'll charge you to do that. This is great. Oh. You get in there and the parts aren't compatible. Mm-hmm. So, so not only is the pickup incompatible with the preamp. Mm. Now the the pickup you got to put in there is incompatible with the slot. With the whole saddle slot. Oh my god. I get so so if you widen that out, you're going to have to replace the saddle as well. The whole real saddle? Yeah. Oh no. Which isn't the end of the world, but it is. <sighs> but it's not pretty. <laughs> There's two ways to do this that I can think of the right way really is with a saddle routing jig oh boy they sell one Stuart mcdonald has one there we go and, unsponsored Stuart and you'll, mcdonald you have a tiny little router base that will hook up to your dremel whoa and then you'll set the uh, parameters on you know for how 
how long the saddle is, then you'll use the right bit to get the right width, right? And then mm-hmm. you have to set the depth, and it's measure five times and cut once because you, this this is this could go wrong yeah. about ten different ways. Yeah, it it, it ain't it ain't uh, walk in the park. It's irrecoverable. It is. Uh, if all you need to do is widen that saddle slot about a tenth of a millimeter, a smidge. I guess you could, man, I'd, I guess you could use a straight edge and score a line. You hesitate to say it out loud. I do. I hesitate oh to even, to even, <laughs> to even utter the mere words, <laughs> to even offer this solution to countenance it. Yeah. Score a line right next to this saddle slot where oh. that you're going to widen it to, and then with some very small and very sharp chisels oh boy come down from the top and cut away some wood now this is not how i would do it but in the absence of the jig which i i have in the absence of that jig i don't but you know you're gonna have to between the router base and the bits and the dremel and the jig i mean this is a 300 dollar solution just to widen that saddle slot a hair well and for just because the new under saddle pickup could we go to i would be tempted pickup to call this customer and say i regret to inform you that the pickup you're supplying is incompatible with the slot yeah Because this really this is how this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna enlarge the saddle. On, he doesn't say what uh, he doesn't say what brand this guitar is, right? No, neither does he say what the onboard preamp could or be the, anything or the new. You know, Washburn, Alvarez, Martin, Gibson, Taylor. Who knows? Could be. Um, there's other pickups. There's other pickup systems. Put a K and K in there. Yeah. I don't know. I would be tempted to not do this at all. Or let's find some other way. Yeah. Let's not or, just but bullheadedly he, persevere on this thing. He's he just wants to replace the preamp with the newer model. Let's yeah. put the old model back in there, one that works. Let's put the model that's supposed to go in there in there. I don't know. It's is not there, newer. Is there a reason why we we won't do that? Is it is it unavailable? Yeah. That's, you've presented me with a question that the solution to which is, is, uh, you know, it's pretty harsh. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it doesn't logically follow that the, that needs to happen. Yeah, I'm looking for other solutions. From this situation. I'm looking for other solutions, yeah. honestly. I mean, it, look, it's not the end of the world to widen a saddle slot if you've got the jig and if you've got experience doing it. It just sounds like. You don't. It's a long. You don't way have to, the jig, yeah. and you don't. And you, but if you've always been looking at one and thought, "Gosh, I want to get one of those someday," well, here's your chance. Yeah. So have, maybe look at it that way. This that see what can happen if you want to install the new preamp. Yep. It's a serious chain of events. There's oh, there's about ten ways it can go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. That does it for this episode of the Fret Files podcast. We're just we're just solving the world's problems one guitar at a time. 
Yeah. If you want to participate in the show, you can do that by going to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and uh, send me a nifty little internet message there. Use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. No one's going to answer. You could call it a... You could call it drunk at 3 o'clock in the morning. It'll just go straight to voicemail. 757-774-8482. Call or text that phone number, and we'll use your questions and comments as part of the show. We'll talk to you soon. Y'all have a good July. Thanks.